You are listening to the official Acts 2 podcast. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.acts2orlando.com. And then Andrew, if you want to come up. So we're actually going to do a little bit of tag teaming today. Yeah. So we've got uh, Andrew Jesse here, the man, the myth, the legend, the comic book hero, from what I understand. Yeah, I've got a separate mic here just for you. Um, and doesn't he look good? I know, right? <laughs> so I'm bringing the word. He's going to bring the looks. Anybody know the uh, Pet Shop Boys? You let us on opportunities. Sorry. <laughs> I've got the brains. You've got the looks. <laughs> you have both, though, so I'm, I'm at a disadvantage here. But, uh, hey, guys, welcome. Glad that you are here. And... Uh, Feel free to, to come on up, and we can actually maybe even turn the lights up a hint. Um, we're going to keep it cozy today. Yeah. yeah. Anybody like cozy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, one of the things I love so much about Florida is the opportunity on those nice, gray, rainy days to, uh, you know, just get something to munch on, curl up on the couch, watch a movie, you know. We don't have a fireplace. Anybody have a fireplace? Those are kind of, and that'd be so cool, but um, you use it like twice a year maybe, but uh, in the back, there you go. Love it. When um, we lived in Ohio for a few months, um, good night. We probably used it two, three times a week. It's cold up there. I'm, I don't know how people do it. But um, so uh, the reason I have Andrew up here is we're going to do a bunch of scripture reading, and a lot of it relates to healing. Um, that's, that's actually not the message, but I have to share this quick story up front. So when I was uh, kind of preparing yesterday and, and putting some pieces together, uh, I realized I don't want to be the one, I don't want to be the talking head. You know, I want to share the load a little bit, just exactly like what Jonathan was saying. And, and Ro and I were talking. I said, okay, you know, you know, who's got a good voice? Somebody that would really be great just to, to read scripture. And we both just kind of agreed. Oh, Jonathan. Um, sorry. Uh, good Lord. Andrew, Jesse. Good Lord. Sorry, I was like trying to pull out a scripture here. And so, so Jonathan, if you would come up and read scripture. No. <laughs> no. That was like epic fail. <laughs> epic fail. All right. So, uh, Andrew, just here we go. So, anyway, um, we had just decided that. We were just kind of talking. Ten minutes later, I get a text from him. 1 Peter 4.11. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. And we're kind of like, wow, God, thanks for the sign. Yeah, and then, anyway, yeah, I won't read the rest of it. But I was just like, wow, that's so good. And uh, thank you, Lord, for showing us that. And just thank you for the gifting that's on his life and his family, Lord. Yeah, we just bless that in Jesus' name. So, hey, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what happened to Jesus in Matthew 8 and 9. We call it Jesus Interrupted. Because you know what? He got interrupted a lot. Uh, parents in the room, you'll get this. And then if you're not a parent, but you're around kids, you'll get this too. Who's heard the term, but mom, but mom? Or, hey, dad, hey, dad. Anybody hear those things like a lot? Yeah. Kaylin, you do? You, is this from Kobe? Is that where you hear it? No. no. <laughs> Kaylin's like one of the few people who raised his hand. Um, but uh, we, we ended up restructuring the house a little bit. We, we separated two of the kids, and, and the home office that we had kind of went away. So my office is now in our bedroom. And, you know, in, in a house with two bathrooms, that means there's a lot of traffic sometimes. And thank God for the uh, Zoom, not Zoom, but the uh, Microsoft Teams background that doesn't show <laughs> what's going on in the background um, as people walk by. But uh, there are a lot of interruptions. And 
so kind of a, a tale of two responses, um, you know, being interrupted a lot uh, and so forth. Um, there are times that the, the kids will walk in and sometimes just, I want to hug. I could be on a conference call. I could not. I could just be doing nothing. Um, and, and I always had this picture in my mind of JFK and John Jr. when he's in the Oval Office under the Resolute Desk. Do you guys know the picture that I'm talking about? I think most everybody does. Go look it up. Just, you know, JFK Jr. or John Jr. under, you know, or Oval Office Desk or whatever. And I didn't realize this, um, except for that one picture. The front of the desk in the center opens up. And he's just in there. And JFK is holding meetings. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. President of the United States and his son is important enough to interrupt whatever's going on. He had cabinet meetings in there, and his son's in there. It's plain wandering. Um, I guess it was like the first time in 80 years that um, the sitting president, you know, their, um, his wife had given birth. So, you know, kind of neat. That, that, so that's the... The, the picture that I'd like to espouse is, is my kids come in and, and interrupt. Not always the case. There are times I have to apologize to my kids because I'm in the middle of something and, and I don't react the way that I want to. Um, and I think many of you can probably relate to this. There are times that, you know, I think reflecting back on my own father and interrupting him, and it was almost always not good. You know, it was always a one-man job or you know, too important and, and those things. And, and so I, I do carry a lot of that in my mind. And, and as I was reading you know, through Matthew you know, 8 and 9 and just thinking about the many interruptions that Jesus had, it, it just really started to dawn on me that there's something kind of special here. But I want you to think about this up front. Think about the interruptions in your life. Kids versus employees maybe that you have. Some of you lead teams. How about early or late in your day? Sometimes it's okay to be interrupted at certain times, other times not. How about early or late during your checkoff list? Before or after coffee? Anyone? Witness? Right? Yeah, my, my wife has this cute saying. I don't even know where it came from. One morning, this is before we had moved to Ohio and, and had moved back, but one of the, the younger ones was saying something. They wanted her to do something. And out of nowhere, she just said, look, first we do the coffee, then we do the things. <laughs> and it just stuck. So that's a, a Hofstetter household saying now. Um, yeah. But I bet we can think of dozens of examples where we've either interrupted someone or they've interrupted us. And just think about how you responded. So we're going to go through eight of these where Jesus was interrupted. And I'm going to have Andrew read, and then we're going to talk a little bit about it. But we're going to take that in a really cool direction afterwards. So um, the first one here. Uh, Matthew 8, 5 through 13. If you want the light, you can come here. Okay. When Jesus entered the village of Capernaum, a captain in the Roman army approached him asking for a miracle. Lord, he said, I have a son who is lying in, in my home, paralyzed and suffering, suffering terribly. Jesus responded, I will go with you and heal him. But the Roman officer interjected, Lord, who am I to have that you would come into my house? I understand your authority, for I too am a man who walks under authority and have authority over soldiers who serve me. I can tell one to go and he'll go and another to come and he'll come. I command my servants and they'll do whatever I ask. So I know that all you need to do is stand here and command healing over my son and he will be instantly healed. Come on. Listen, this guy isn't even born again yet. Come on. Jesus was astonished when he heard this and said to those who were following him, he has greater faith than anyone I've ever encountered in Israel. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. Multitudes of Gentiles will stream from the east and the west 
to enter into the heavenly kingdom with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But many Israelites born to be heirs of the kingdom will be turned away and banished into the darkness where there'll be bitter weeping and unbearable anguish. Then Jesus turned to the Roman officer and said, go home. All that you have believed will be done for you. And his son was healed at that very moment. At that moment. Come on. So here's the thing. Jesus was walking into a village. That's what he was doing. He got stopped. Think about that. In your daily life, you're walking somewhere, you get stopped. He was uh, you know, ready to go into uh, this house, you know, to, uh, to um, yeah, it, it blows my mind when I think about how he was just doing something so simple. And people knew, okay, here's someone of faith, you know, and he didn't fully understand that. He just knew that I could go to this man, Jesus, and I can stop him and I can ask for what I want and it will be done for me. Oh, that we would be like that, right? That, to have that great faith. Mm. And it was, it was the faith that healed him. Matthew eight fourteen to 15. Then Jesus entered Peter's home and found Peter's mother-in-law bedridden, s- severely ill with fever. The moment Jesus touched her hand, she was instantly healed. Immediately she got up and began to make dinner for them. So he wasn't even asked. He just walked into the house, saw a sick person, immediately did that. Just boom, right away. One of the things I love about this body of believers, this is what we do. I see it time and time again. It's almost like people have targets on their back. They're not feeling well. There's a crutch. There's a wheelchair. There's, there's something going on, and we just we go after it. It's kind of fun to see. He just saw her and healed her. Matthew 8, 23 through 27. They all got into the boat and began to cross over to the other side of the lake. And Jesus, exhausted, fell asleep. Suddenly a violent storm developed. The waves were high and the boat was swamped. Yet Jesus continued to sleep soundly. (laughs) The disciples woke him up saying, save us, Lord. We're going to die. But Jesus reprimanded them. Why are you gripped with fear? Where is your faith? In other words, where is your trust in me? Then he stood and rebuked the storm, saying, Be still. And instantly it became perfectly calm. The disciples were astonished by this miracle, and, he said, and they said to one another, Who is this man? Even the winds and the waves obey his word. And one thing I want to add to that is, a kingdom, a kingdom divided against itself will not stand. Jesus was proving a point here, kind of establishing the goodness of God. Like, listen, we know in the Bible it says that the earth has been given to the devil. So a lot of times we think like all these bad things happen to people and it's God's fault. But listen, Jesus is saying, listen, we have power and authority over everything on heaven and on everything here on earth. We're commanded to bring the kingdom. And Jesus is like, listen, you can command the storm to stop or whatever storm you're in, you can command it to stop. And he has proven a point that a kingdom divided against itself will not stand. And his kingdom is not divided. It's, there's all unity. Come on. That's so good. Um, yeah. Well, first of all, talk about a rude awakening. Anybody else ever been exhausted? You finally fall asleep and people are waking you up? Again, parents, hello. Um, I won't share it. Um, his disciples woke him up to stop the storm. They didn't, at least scripture doesn't tell us that they thought, what can we do about this? They were terrified and they woke him up. And then they blamed him. Aren't you upset? <laughs> we're about to die. He wasn't upset about being interrupted. He was upset that uh, they were afraid and that they were lacking faith. 
That's interesting. Matthew 8, 28 through 34. When they arrived on the other side of the lake in the region of Gardasis, two demon-possessed men confronted Jesus. They lived among the tombs of the cemetery and were considered so extremely violent that no one felt safe passing through the area, but Jesus did. The demons screamed at Jesus, shouting, Son of God, what do you want with us? Leave us alone. Have you come to torment us before the appointed time? Meaning they already know they lost. There was a large herd of pigs feeding nearby, and the demons pleaded, If you cast us out, send us into the herd of pigs. Jesus commanded, Then go. Then go. And at once the demons came out of the men and went into the pigs. Then the entire herd of the crazed pigs stampede down the steep slope and fell into the water and drowned. The men who were herding the pigs fled to the nearby town and informed everyone what had happened to the demon-possessed man. Then everyone from the town went out to confront Jesus and urged him to go away and leave them alone. So here the, uh, the demonized men confronted Jesus. First of all, he wasn't afraid, like Andrew was saying, to go through. Everyone was afraid, wasn't safe. He's like, I got this. Sounds like an interruption. Uh, interesting that they were uh, afraid he was going to torment them before their appointed time. You know, we see that a couple times in Scripture. You know, we're, we're oftentimes going to say we are not, not here, but we see people who are afraid of demons. They're, they're afraid of the demonic. They're afraid of, of what the adversary can do. You know, literally, his name, Hasatan, is just the accuser. It's not even a name. It's just a title. All he does is accuse, right? And exactly. Um, they know what's coming. That's what we need to have faith in. That, that's crazy. They tremble. Thank you, Julia, for that awesome reminder. And then the other thing that kind of is crazy here, the local townspeople urge Jesus and his crew to go away. Okay, I get maybe they lost their livelihood, all the pigs just died, but like if I saw that happening, you know, anyway, different story, but like, wow, crazy. All right, jumping to Matthew 9, 1 through 8. Can I pile on to that a little bit? Please, dig Come on. So... What's amazing is Jesus, these people have never met the Messiah, but they heard in Isaiah 53, they're like, they're waiting for this Messiah to come. And then this man starts coming, casting demons out, healing the sick. But can I propose to you that Jesus just stepped on the land and instantly the demons were like, who is this son of God? So if the demons know that he's the son of God, how much more us? Because the word says that greater is he that's in us and he that's in the world. And the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of us. So we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us that raises the dead. Then on top of that, we have Jesus who sits at the right hand of the Father who intercedes for us. Then the Holy Spirit who in intercedes for us. But not only on, on top of that, we have his name, which we sang about this morning, which at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. So the demons flee when we walk around in our true identity. Okay. No. So Jesus got into the boat and returned to what was considered his hometown, Capernaum. Just then, some people brought a paralegic man to him, lying on a sleeping mat. When Jesus, perceived, when Jesus perceived the strong faith within their house, he said to the, the paralyzed man, My son, be encouraged, for your sins have been forgiven. These words prompted some of the religious scholars to think, Why? That's nothing but blasphemy. Jesus supernaturally perceived their thoughts and said to them, 
Why do you carry so much evil in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, stand up and walk? But now, to convince you that the Son of Man has been given all authority to forgive sins, and say to this man, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk home. Immediately, the man sprang to his feet and left for home. When the crowds witnessed this miracle, they were awestruck. They shouted praises to God because he had given such authority to human beings. Mm. So he's returning by boat, and he was interrupted to heal. Literally just got off the boat, perceived the strong faith, and then forgave the sins and addressed the Pharisees' accusation. So it's almost like, okay, this guy can't go anywhere without people stopping him. You almost wonder, like, how is he getting stuff done? But remember, he only does what he sees or hears the Father telling him to do. Yeah, so good. And then on top of that, he says, which, which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to be healed? And Jesus has proven an important point here, saying that, listen, once you believe in Jesus, it's the greatest miracle that ever takes place. Yes. Jesus bankrupting the gates of hell and sitting at the right hand of the Father, giving us the entire kingdom. And he's like, healing is just an attribute of being with me. He's like, so salvation is the craziest, most amazing miracle ever. And healing is just, it's on top of that. It comes with it. You guys hanging in there? We good? We got three more to go. We're going to dive into some message here. So, yep. So I mean, this is the meat though, right? While Jesus was still speaking, an influential Jewish leader approached and knelt before him saying, help me, my daughter who has died. Sorry. Help me, my daughter has just died. Please come and place your hand upon her so that she will live again. So Jesus and his disciples got up and went with them. Suddenly, a woman came from behind Jesus and touched the tassel of his prayer shawl for healing. She, was, she had been suffering from continual, continual bleeding for 12 years, but had faith that Jesus could heal her. For she kept saying to herself, if I only touched the prayer shawl, I would be healed. Just then, Jesus turned around and looked at her and said, my daughter, be encouraged. Your faith has healed you. And instantly she was healed. When Jesus finally entered the home of the Jewish leader, he, he saw a noisy crowd of mourners wailing and playing the funeral, the funeral music. He told them, you must leave, for this little girl is not dead. She's only sleeping. Then everyone began to ridicule him. After he made the crowd go outside, he went into the girl's room and gently took hold of her hand. She immediately stood to her feet, and the news of this incredible miracle spread everywhere. So first of all, we get an award here. Ding, ding, ding. Double interruption, right? He's going to, well, he's actually speaking. Jairus interrupts him. And then the woman with the issue of blood interrupts him as well. And uh, both these stories are actually in Luke 8 and Mark 5 as well. So it's kind of neat that story is told three times. Um, one of the things I also love about this is, you know, he knew that the, the power had left his body, right? He, he had felt that. But he was on a mission, he was going to Jairus's house and this woman stopped him. He didn't tell her, sorry, this isn't your time. Hey, I'll be back. In the moment, stayed with her in her need, in her faith. It's so good to see. And on top of that, the reason why she actually went to go grab his cloak or whatever, well, if you rewind back in the scripture, Jesus was out there ministering to people and it said that ability or miraculous power was flowing out from his body. So people were just touching Jesus and they were getting healed, just like we can do. Well, she heard about it, and she's like, if I can just get by him and touch him. So she heard about the testimony. That goes to show the power of our testimony. 
It's literally prophesying, do it again. So she heard, she heard the report of the testimony. People were touching this man named Jesus and they're being healed. So she's like, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. All right, Matthew 9, 27 to 31. As Jesus left the house, two blind men began following him, shouting over and over, son of David, show us mercy and heal us. And they, they followed him into the house where Jesus was staying. So Jesus asked him, do you believe that I have power to restore sight into your eyes? They replied, yes, Lord, we believe. Then Jesus put his hands over his eyes and said, you will have what you have. Let me try this again. You will have what your faith expects. And instantly their eyes opened. They could see. Then Jesus warned them sternly, make sure that you tell no one what just happened. But, but unable to contain themselves, they went out and spread the news everywhere. So they're following him from Jairus' house. Who knows how long they were following him, but he saw them go in. Daughters raised from the dead, and they start following him. And here's the thing. They wouldn't shut up. They don't stop asking. Keep asking. I think there's a good, good message in that. Keep asking. And strangely to me, he said, keep it a secret. But let's be honest. I mean, when God does something great in your life, can, can you keep it a secret? Like, I can't wait to tell everybody. A lot of you get texts from me, like, you won't believe what God's doing here and there and, and what happened. So, yeah, keep sending those testimonies, like Andrew said. It's, that builds belief, and uh, it's, just, it's great to see. And then Matthew 9, 32 and 33. While they were leaving, some people brought before Jesus a demon, demon-possessed man who couldn't speak. They cast the demon out of him, and immediately the man began to speak plainly. The crowds marveled in astonishment, saying, We've never seen miracles like this in Israel. So one of the things I love was when you take a, a step back from Scripture, and we just looked at eight, okay? And what you see is Jesus is continually moving. He's interrupted, and he's healing. He's setting people free time and time again. And, uh, and I love it. I mean, with these two, you know, with this last one here, he just healed the daughter, raised her from the dead. The two blind men, they just got healed, and now the mute. Gets his, uh, gets his voice back. And people were astonished. They hadn't seen anything like that. So here are some points when you kind of, again, take a, take a step back, start to look at some of the patterns here, start to look at what, what God is saying through all of this. Jesus was going. He was moving. You cannot steer a parked car. You can't sail a boat in a harbor. They're meant to be out. Now, that there are times, yes, it needs to be in the harbor, right? There are times we have a prayer and just, you know, continually fellowshipping with the Lord. Um, one of the things that, that I do love is that God will even send people to our house that need prayer. Anybody had that happen before? I, I know the McGee's have, yeah, they've had a great testimony with that. But even in Ohio, we had pizza delivered one night and some dude showed up and the way he was handing the box to me, I could tell something was askew. So I asked what was going on, rotary cuff, and uh, dude got healed right there and was blown away. He's delivering food to us. He got a healing. He didn't know what to say. He's like, I, I don't understand this. This doesn't hurt anymore. What is going on? I'm like, well, let me tell you about Jesus here. Um, so here's the cool thing. Yes, be moving, but just be ready if you're not moving, okay? You know, we, we talked about it earlier. Jonathan was mentioning it. Andrew says it all the time. Be ready in season and out of season. Things come up, and, and you love that opportunity. It, it's, it's great to, uh, to have that happen. Uh, Jesus was willing to change directions and go with the needs. So be willing to go with the flow. And I love the story in uh, Acts 16 where the apostles are, are trying to go you know, different directions and the Holy Spirit keeps stopping them. And finally, they have the dream. Guy in Macedonia, come and help us. Then they knew where to go. 
So if you're moving, God can help steer you, right? Okay. Jesus followed through with what he started to do. So even when something diverted his attention, he came back to complete the mission. And that's a good thing. So if you've been given a mission, if you've been given something to do, if you're called to sing, if you're called to, to worship, if you're called to pray and to minister, you're called to be an encourager. I mean, scripture is replete with these examples. If you've been given this, then do it. If you get sidetracked, if something comes up or like, hey, I need your help over here, that's great. Get back to your mission. Get back to what God has called you to do. Okay? It's okay to, to have those little breaks here and there, those little seasons. Uh, and the cool thing is Jesus is going to partner with you as you do it. So the interruptions almost appear to happen in a way that required the people's participation, if you will, for their own transformation. Um, you know, like they're committed. You know, they're, they're coming up to him. If I could just touch the tassel of his prayer shawl as an example. But if you were to step back into Matthew 8, 18 through 22, we see two examples that do not fit this pattern we just saw. And I thought that was kind of interesting. So if you guys want to put it up, Matthew 8, 18 to 22. At the sight of large crowds gathering around him, Jesus gave orders to his disciples to get ready to sail back to the other side of the lake. Just then, a religious scholar approached him and said, Teacher, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no true home in this world. Then another man spoke up and said, Lord, I'll follow you, but I must first go take care of my aged father and bury him when he dies. But Jesus said to him, Now is the time to follow me, and let those that are dead bury their own dead. Wow. What just screams as I read that is Proverbs 16, 18. Your boast becomes a prophecy of future failure. Pride comes before the fall, in other words. The higher you lift yourself up in pride, the harder you'll fall in disgrace. You know, it's not a time to get into works. And we had this interesting discussion to kind of pull back some of the, the curtain, if you will, you know, a few years ago uh, about some of the songs in, in worship that we do here in the beginning. And if you look, you, you almost always see ones that talk about the goodness and the glory of God, not in what we're going to do for him. And you'll hear a difference in the role of Christendom in some of those songs. Now, sometimes that will be mixed in here or there, because let's face it, when you are overcome with God's love and goodness, you can't wait. Like, I got to do something, right? But these men came to brag and, and to boast. And Jesus dismissed them. Everybody else interrupted him in their need, and he helped them. Do you see the difference in that? That's so good. So God is beckoning us to partner with him in everything. So as I'm looking at this, I'm starting to realize something through all of this, this journey through these scriptures, and that it's a great example of coming to Jesus like a child. I referenced it up front. You know, when kids come in, especially our little ones, JB and Lily, they're not so little anymore. In fact, JB, who's like 28 months younger, is actually like a hint taller than Lily, and she is not happy about it. If you're watching, sorry. Um, but uh, it, it's neat to see they can come in, they, they can interrupt, but that's how Jesus wants us to approach him, right? Sometimes I think, honestly, we're a bit too timid. Anybody else feel that? You know, does this look right? Does it feel right? Who cares? Go listen to Stephanie Gretzinger's testimony on this. Anybody seen that? I don't know, it was put out a couple of years ago, maybe two, three years ago. And she would, you know who I'm talking about, right? Used to be Stephanie Frizzle. Now, the redhead from Bethel. Um, you know, she would share that, you know, people were blown away by how, like, open and, and expressive she was in worship. She's like, that is not me. Not me at all. 
I know that if I want to enter into time with the Lord and to really be in what he's got, I have to go past my comfort zone and do it. And wildly paraphrasing here, go watch that testimony. It is so cool to see. That's what it is. Get beyond your timidity. We've not been given a spirit of fear or timidity, but of love, power, and a sound mind. So no need to be reserved. It's okay to go after what you want. It's okay to go after what you need. The woman with the issue of blood, she wasn't allowed to come into crowds. You guys realize this, right? She's one of the ones like the lepers would have to shout unclean so people wouldn't get near her. She didn't care. That's the Christ. That's the one. if, If only I can touch and did it. I love it. Psalm 27, 4. There's one thing that I desire that I shall seek. It's not passive. I desire it, but I'm going after it. That makes sense? Everybody's like really quiet in here. I know it's a little bit heady. So um, 1 Corinthians 14. First line, pursue love, yet earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Not wish for them. There is nothing more bold in this world than a kid who can't wait to tell you about their Christmas list. Right? This is what I want for Christmas. Anybody else have kids like that? I did that as a kid. Here, mom and dad, here's my list. Anybody seen a Christmas story? I want an official Red Rider. Right? We know what we want, and we can't wait to tell them. Birthdays, they do the same thing. Dinner tonight. They're also bold about telling you what they want at the store that neither one of you are present at at that moment. This is what I want at Target. We're not even there. Okay. Um, yeah, but they're, they're bold to tell you. In fact, Scripture says, come boldly. Hebrews 4.16. So now we draw near freely and boldly to where grace is enthroned to receive mercy's kiss. Take a second and just sit back and receive mercy's kiss. Mm. Wow, that's so good. <clears throat> to receive mercy's kiss and discover the grace we urgently need to strengthen us in our time of weakness. Yeah. Let's go back to that story about JFK, his son. Do you think that kid felt pretty confident? And he may at that point not have realized like his dad was one of the most powerful men on the planet at the time, but he knew how important he was to his dad. Go find that picture. You see the front of the desk, the Resolute desk open up, and he's in there. Does anybody know what he called that space in the Oval Office, what John Jr. called that space. My house. Hiding under his dad's desk, my house. I challenge you, where is your house? Hopefully not in a place of timidity. Because you will be bold and you will be strong and you will go do great things. When you believe that he is for you, And you know this. Kids are bold. This is not an altar call, but I would tell you to come boldly. The king is here. He's here now. Wherever you are, come boldly to him. Whatever you need, come boldly. Get healed. Get set free. Get your victory. And something I shared with the team up front before we started today, I steal this from Graham Cook. This is one of my favorites. It is an oracle from Jesus, and he said, Beloved, I see nothing wrong with you. Guys, nothing means nothing. I see nothing wrong with you. I only see what is missing from your experience with me 
And I am committed to giving you that. That is our Savior. In Jesus' name. So guys, if anybody needs prayer, a couple of us will be up front. But spend time today. Reflect. Selah. Come boldly to that King who loves you so very much. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, thanks, guys. Have a good Sunday. Thank you for listening to the Acts 2 podcast. Love God, love people, and live life.